perfect chorus. Now I care about an authentic one. When I sing stuff, I really believe it. Amen.
Debbie Glanzer, David Glanzer's mom, is going to sing for us. She wanted to sing this morning in honor of her son, but also uh, just to worship God, just to, just to honor him. So let's pray, and, and then we'll, our guys will receive the offering, and Debbie will come and lead us. And you can come on up, Debbie, if you're around. Well, there you are, right there. You come on and get ready. Lord, we thank you again for this morning. And uh, God, all that's happened, uh, Lord, up to this point, and we are just as dependent on you at this point than we were yesterday at this time or the day before. We are needy people. God, we confess that you are our hope, that you are our provider, our healer, our righteousness, our sanctification, our peace, our shepherd. You're a mighty warrior. You are everything that we will ever need in this life. And so we honor you. We ask your blessing on the offering. Lord, we do bless all of those that are part of this family, but they live in many other places. And uh, we don't know how all that works, but God, we ask your presence. We ask the Spirit of God would break out in every place. Lord, we have a vision. We believe all of America is about to be shaken with your glory. God, do something this morning that would bring the fame, bring Jesus great fame that he would not only not lose the reward of his suffering, but he would gain it to the full. And we thank you, Lord, and we bless Debbie, we bless this family, and we thank you for David, his life. One of our young adults, God, we thank you that you're a good, good God, and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
He is a good God, isn't he? And he gives grace at those moments. I was going to, uh, there's a scripture that came to my mind over in uh, First Peter, maybe it's Second Peter. First Peter says, Blessed be the Lord, my God, my God and my Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, say abundant mercy, has begotten unto us a living hope, say living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And uh, there is a hope. And you can go in and read the rest of that. It talks about though you're grieved, various trials come your way. But all of these things are just opportunities to prove our faith. That's what it says. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious. And uh, be found in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, it's been an interesting. It's been, it's been a different kind of week. And um, I need God's grace to know to say everything that I'm supposed to say. I can tell you, early in the week, God began to put something in my heart about um, King David. And I can preach on King David because, you know, I'm one of the Davids that God... In fact, my dad told me I was named after King David. And uh, so, but then I thought, Lord, how can I preach on David... When David Glanzer, you know, died this week, and and I was starting to read, you know, you take reverse course and look for Plan B or something, and uh, because the key was, I believe God wants to raise up a generation of Davids in this hour. So anyway, I started to back up, and God interrupted my backing up, and He said, "Don't you think I knew?" When I put this in your heart, don't you think I knew what was going to happen this week? What do you think I'm caught off guard with all these things? And, so he's not, and uh, so I want to be faithful. And uh, so I believe there's an anointing. Because who does things like this? I, I, Lord, how do we do this? How do you have this to combine? And uh, well, he just said, just do it. And also, we're getting close to the election that is vital. How many of you know it's very important? And God showed me some things. So I've got to, you've got to speak up. You know, you remember when Esther... The, you know that if we remain completely silent, we can't remain completely silent in this hour. So I'm going to touch on some things and you pray that God will give me all the grace that I need. I do know this. These are not normal times. They're not normal. This is not normal. 2018 in the United States is anything but normal. I know that this is, you know, not, we can't have normal church. You can't have normal messages. If I had gone to plan B this week, it would have been, you know, maybe one of those normal messages. You get, and we don't want to be, no, how many of you want to be a normal Christian? You don't want to be normal. And people don't want to go just to hear you say your thing. They want to hear what God is saying to the church in this hour. What is the Spirit saying? And then I can tell you who, no, we're not normal. It's the police and the medical personnel let me tell you a little bit of what happened when we got the word about David's death. An army, a little army rose up with faith and expectancy. And uh, so we all showed up and some people were texting and calling. And I said, just come, come. They all, 
they all got there at the right time. Like right at the moment. So we started praying. And we prayed seriously. We prayed that God would raise him up. And I could just imagine what the police and the medical personnel were in the background were thinking. And, you know, I'm not presuming. I just know that probably looked a little different. And then we left there after we prayed. And we, I'm telling you, the people had faith. If, is it okay to be proud of your church in a good way? I saw faith and expectancy. I had faith and expectancy. And then we went to where they brought David and we prayed, I don't know, an hour and a half. I don't know. We prayed and we prayed and we believed. And then the next morning, another, we, we showed up again and we prayed and we prayed. Now, some people would say, well, why are you doing all that? Well, you know, it's in the gospel. The real gospel is going to happen. The real gospel is what's going to be trumpeted in this hour across the land. Not some of this American thing that we've been accustomed to. But Jesus said in Matthew 11, remember he, John had heard that Jesus, you know, he was in prison and he heard about the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the coming one or should we wait for another? Should we look for another? In other words, is this the real thing? Because we've heard a lot about a, a lot of real things and we don't know if they were real or not, but are you? The real one. Do you remember how he answered? He said, Jesus said, you go tell John the things which you hear and see. Say hear and see. That's what the gospel is. You hear, faith come by hearing. But you should be seeing the things you're speaking and preaching and believing. This is a hear and see thing. And he said, here's what you see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then Jesus said something really interesting. He said, and blessed are those who are not offended because of me. You ever notice the Lord wasn't that concerned with offending people? He was a, was it, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Or vice versa, something like that. But that's what he was. Because he did the Father's will. And then another place in Matthew chapter 10, after calling and giving his disciples power over unclean spirits to heal all kinds of diseases. That's what I want God to stir up this weekend with Joan Hunter. You know, if we're, she's seeing major miracles, we want to see. We, we want to hear and see. So I want people to come that, and God will stir that gift. And I believe he will. But he, Jesus said, as you preach or as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely you will you were give. Now, you know the raising of the dead, we, I don't know. I mean, death is part of the journey. It's part of the journey. It's the way into the next life, the, the eternity. That, you know, we're, it's reserved for us. If I'd have read more out of First Peter, you know, we have an inheritance that's undefiled, you know, incorruptible, reserved for you in heaven. But I tell you, there was a whole lot of expectancy. And so, you know, our question was, well, God, we had faith. I've never been a part of it. I've done a little bit of that, but not with an army of people that everybody believed God. So I said, God, why didn't, why didn't he arise? You know, there are always going to be more questions than there are answers. 
And, uh, you know, over in 2 Peter, it says there's some things of which are too hard to understand. How many of you know the scripture says that? In fact, don't even worry about understanding. Proverbs says, in all your way, or trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, don't lean into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He'll direct your course. Should we believe for the miraculous? Absolutely. We go to the grave. I'd rather believe. I'd rather get there and say, and the Lord say, son, you believe me for too much. You, you, you know. Then, son, if you had believed, you would have seen the glory. Of, you know what I mean? I'd rather be on that side of the spectrum. And so it's, I don't know, anything can happen. Anything. And if not, anything will happen because God is king. He's on the throne. Our hope is in him. He is the resurrection and the life. But wouldn't it be something? Here I am. I've got to preach on a generation of David's arising. You know, if I'd have been in my flesh, I'd have backed up. But I'm telling you, God's doing it. There's a generation arising that's going to have to learn to slay some giants. Because there are a lot of giants today that people are facing. Our nation is facing a big giant, a big demon, big demons. You know that scripture in Revelation, well, out of the pit, these locusts and these things, they, if they're not out marching across the land, I don't know where they are. And you've seen some of them on TV this week. You know, there's anger and rage and absolutely things that are ab we never even heard. It's like a flood. A flood of darkness. So that leads me to where we're going. Last week, I know it was God, Isaiah 59. And we looked at that scripture. Anybody remember this? This is a test. Not of the emergency broadcast system, but a test of, of your pastor. How many of you remember the scripture we spoke about last week? When the enemy, oh no, yeah, comes in like what? Like a flood. The Lord will raise a standard. God's not checking out. He's not, you know, afraid, going to the hills and hiding. He's, he's raising up a standard. So the word standard we looked at, it meant to vanish away, to chase, and the King James says, to put to flight. In fact, if you read that scripture, it says that when all these things begin to happen, God's going to do something about it. You know, we say, God, what are you going to do? He is doing something about it. Now, here's what he's doing. And we looked at the list. The first one, it says, the Redeemer shall come. And so we talked about how the message of redemption has to be preached with all of the unction, all of the anointing. It's the message of the cross and the resurrection America most needs to hear in this hour. Then the next thing it says, and many will turn from transgression, and that's repentance. And we talked about Jeremiah 23, the false prophets. And he said in there, he said, if, if you'd stood in my counsel, if you'd heard my word, you would have spoken to the people and they would have repented, basically. But you gave them a vision of your own heart. You did your own thing and so they didn't repent. And so we got to preach repentance. And then the next thing was the spirit will be poured out. No, the covenant. 
There's a covenant, God's promises, then the Spirit will be poured out. I mean, if you know, we need the Holy Spirit to be poured out in this hour all over the land, all over the nation, all the nations of the earth. We need these outpourings of the Spirit. I'm so glad I got to go to Heronhood a few weeks ago where there was. I was right by that church where the Moravian outpouring broke out. I couldn't get in, but I took pictures, and I got there right beside it, and I knelt down, and I picked up a rock, and I brought it back with me. You know, I don't know if that means anything. You know, it did to David. He picked up a few of them. But anyway, I'm just believing for stuff. I'm just kind of believe. I don't care. You, I don't care. They say, well, hadn't you turned on the television lately? Do you see what's happening? Yeah, I see darkness arising. But I see, and this is where we got to get to so I can take off today. Another one of the part of the standard is thy, his word, which I put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth. Except to speak it. That's what he, why would God put his word in our mouth? Except so that we're to speak his word. His word. It's not the word of a man. It's the word of God. And I like just reading the scriptures. Because that's the real thus saith the Lord. You know, we get all of men's opinions. And, and uh, you know, the commentary. And I know that we shouldn't relate it. I know, understand. But I got spoiled by that. I told you many times, I'm going to get to the Word, but Milton Green was one of my mentors. How many of you know, remember, Milton Green? And he used to have these In the Word seminars. And I would drive from my little home in Louisiana. I don't care. I'd go to Texas, wherever he was. I would drive 10, 12, 8, I don't know, hours just to sit in. And most of the times, Milton Green would get up and just read the Word. He'd go from Isaiah to Jeremiah to Ezekiel, to Zechariah. He'd just read the Bible. And in those days, the word would come out like fire and it would just explode in my heart. And he all mostly what he did. Now, he did share some things and made it relevant. But the word, you know, everything is going to fade away but the word of our God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. But we can't remain silent in this hour. So I'm going to talk some about that. I, I, uh, I get this thing from the American Pastors Network. And they were talking about in there, I just saw briefly, because this week I didn't have a lot of time to look at all that, but they said, why so few pastors spoke up during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings? I can tell you why. It's called the fear of man. We should speak in this hour. If we don't speak in this hour, we're going to be held accountable for what we should have said when we didn't say it. And then Shirley showed me an article where the Shreveport police, and I'm from Louisiana, but the police stopped the prayer vigils. They had no, go, no more prayer vigils because this group called, what did they call the separation? No, 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 no. Freedom from religion or whatever it is, showed up and said, you shall not pray in the police department. So what did they do? They backed off. And you know, the police might back off, the teachers may back off, the students may back off, the church can't back off. We can't. If we back off, then it's, it's off. The game is over. The church has to rise up and speak, thus saith the Lord. So what? That's why when socialism and communism comes in, you know who they go after first? The, the pulpit. Because they know there's a few of them that'll speak up. They also lamb blast the police. That's just normal. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I ain't backing down. 
I'm going to embrace the opportunity, but I'm going to pray that God will raise up. You know, I told you I read, I ordered that book. That's the playbook of the left. I told you about that. I hadn't read it yet because I don't really want to read it. You know what I mean? I got it to look at it, but I got it to look at the front to see if it was real or some conspiracy because I heard that book is dedicated to Lucifer. So I looked in the first page. Guess who it's dedicated to? Lucifer, the first radical. Anyway, I did read a little bit in it where it says one of their plans, and you see this in the media. Listen, the church needs to be aware. And the thought is that power is not only what you have, but it's what your enemy thinks you have. So they make us think they got all kinds of power. They ain't got any power, especially for those in the church. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. They're more for us than are against us. So that's never true. But, you know, people listen to the lies and all of that kind of stuff. Well, I got to say this, that God did not cause David's death. The thief is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the midst of the most humid, awful, horrible tragedy, God can reverse, turn around, come in, and bring glory. He can advance the kingdom. And giants can fall. And that's what I'm going to pray, that there be an anointing this morning that God would impart to us so we can go slay some giants. It's, it is our calling. It is part of our inheritance. The saints of God on the earth at this hour in history. If you don't want to slay giants, if you'd rather just piddly around or, you know, tiptoe through the tulips, then you may shouldn't be around. But, I mean, that guys he's got to go to the bathroom. He's not leaving. You know, we, you, know, you say stuff like that, you know, somebody get up. You, you got to let him off the hook. You know, he's not tipping, toeing through anything. Because that's why we're here. That's why we're in Moravian Falls. We, these, these hills are filled with the fire of God is burning in these hills. And um, we just got to know how to operate in this stuff. And when these things like this week happen, we got to know. We got to know. So anyway, go with me if you would. This First Samuel, say First Samuel. Now I'm going to do some reading, so it, it take a few minutes to get through the whole part, and then we'll talk about it. But if we just read it and went home, that'd be enough. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Did you know that Holy Spirit is the teacher? The Holy Spirit is the comforter and the convictor. I'm so glad that Holy Spirit, He convicts. And then once he gets your attention, he'll comfort. The comforter. The word comforter also means, what else? What else? Starts with an H. The helper. You know, that's the greatest prayer sometimes you can pray in this life. Help. You know what I mean? You don't have the words. Nobody else, they don't know what you're going through. They, don't, they act like they don't even care. You talk to people, they're not even listening. So you just go to the one who listens. You say, help. And he is our helper. We lift our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Anyway, okay, so let's start reading. Verse 1, 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle, and they were gathered at Sokol. Verse 2, and Saul 
And the men of Israel were gathered together. And they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. How many of you know that's happening today right before our eyes? There are, there's a, an army or there's a group of people that's lined up on one side and another that's lined up on another. And the two are having a hard time coming into agreement. You know, now the enemy knows that, an, you know, an, a divided nation will not stand. That's the scripture. Divided you shall fall. So he knows that. And so he's doing all that he can. And we have people, leaders, that help stir the flames of division. In, in the church and, and in the government. That's why if we just did what God said, he said, mark those who cause division among you. Mark them. Single them out. But we don't do that. We want to be loving and all that. But you know, the other side of that, God is, a, God is doing some dividing today. If some of you knew, how, now how does God do that? Well, because he said, I will separate, I will come and separate the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares, the righteous from the wicked, those who serve God from those who really serve themselves. That's in Malachi. And you know what else? He said, the left from the right. In Matthew, he says, he will speak to those on the left. Now, does that have anything to do with the political? I have no idea. I'm just going to read what it says. He will speak to those on the left. He'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But he'll speak to those on his right hand, and he'll say, enter, come, enter into the joy of the Lord. You know what he does with the left? He says, depart into me into hell prepared for the devil and his angels so I think probably the devil wants to populate hell so he won't be all alone well I vote we overpopulate heaven we need to there needs to be some outcry from heaven saying okay we're having overcrowdedness up here church slow down but we're not going to slow we, we really need to focus on populating heaven And he's given us an anointing to do this. This is where we're living in this hour. Well, okay, now we need to just read the rest and summarize. Then we're going to go back and look at about, I don't know, 10 to 12 points. We won't take long because we've got to get out of here and do this memorial. But we have to release this anointing. Okay, so look in verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. And he had his height. You know, they say, some people I read... 10 feet, but some say over 11. He's a big dude. And he weighed. He has all this armor that weighs so much. And then in 8, then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Basically, it sounded like Goliath had a little elitist complex going on. I know who I am. I'm a Philistine. I'm of the camp of the Philistines. Who are you? You're just the servants of Saul. Yeah. And then in verse 9, and he's, if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail, now he was lying. That's not what happened. When you read the story, they didn't become their servants by volunteer. The only thing was this group wanted to control the other group. 
It's the way it was. We're going to control. We're going to have our way. And um, anyway, this is a pretty incredible story. And the Philistines said, I defy. Oh, if he's able to fight, verse 9, if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll prevail. And if I prevail, he'll be served me. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight. So when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Let me tell you, we can't be there in this day. We cannot be dismayed. We cannot be greatly afraid. If you think the giants that we are facing now are huge, hang on. That's why we're, God wants us to walk in victory now. We need this anointing. We, this is an anointing. So anyway, now David was the son of Jesse. Basically, I'm pair, that's the son of Jesse. Remember that because that's important. Then we see that Jesse had eight sons. Verse 14, David was the youngest. And the three oldest followed Saul. And David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, David had already been anointed king, right? He still went back and took care of the sheep. He was faithful in the little things. Even though he'd been anointed king, he could have just said, Hey, I'm the big guy on campus here. I don't need to go back. Somebody else will do that in many old tasks. No. Unless you're faithful in the little things God puts before you, he will not entrust to you the big things. There has to be faithfulness. You don't despise the day of small beginnings. And then the Philistine drew near, presented himself. Verse 19, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley fighting. And David rose up early. He left the sheep with a keeper. You see that he left the sheep with a keeper. He didn't just leave them. He left them attended, taken care of. I just believe that just shows his faithfulness to be is responsible responsible and then it says the um, verse 21 for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array army against army it's a picture of what's happening today in many places and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper even though he went there he left his supplies with a supply keeper ran greeted the brothers then as he talked with them there was the champion of the Philistines Goliath and David heard them as they were speaking, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled, because they were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up against? This sounds like to me, the commentators. Do you see what's happening? And they're trying to promote fear. Have you seen what's happening? Yeah, we see what's happening, but we also see a God that is over all the happening, and is about to be the greatest happening, the biggest. But anyway, uh, then David spoke to the men who stood by them, saying, What shall be done for this man if he fights? For who is this? Now, here's what David said. This is one of my favorite verses of the whole story. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? We'll talk about that. I like saying that. And the people answered him. Well, they told him. Neliab, his oldest brother, heard when he said, and basically they're saying, David, who do you think you are? You just have just a few sheep. And he began to belittle him. He called him proudful, the insolence of your heart. In other words, you get ready to do great things for God. There'll be people around you in your religious circle that'll tell you why you can't do it, why you don't have what it takes to do it. You proudful, whatever, anyway. David said, is there not a cause? Hey, is there not a reason for me to show up? And I ask you, is there not a reason for you in this hour? There is. 
Verse 32, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. And Saul said to David, You're not able to fight. And, uh, but David said, Your servant has killed the lion and the bear. And then God, because God did that, I, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I done killed lions and bears. This man, this Goliath, is nothing. And then your servant is killed and he goes on to deliver. And then he tried to put his armor on David. Remember the story. I'm going to try to skip through so we can get to the point. And so what did David do? Wear the armor. He took him off. He took him off. It doesn't even fit. And you know, I can't. He couldn't even walk. Could you imagine? He was all, he was pretty big stuff. And David was, or Saul was a big tall guy. You could see him above everybody else the scripture talks about. He took them off. So the Philistines came. They drew near. And um, verse 42, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. You youth, you ruddy, you no good for nothing. You know, he just really offended that they, David would rise up. And the Philistine cursed David by his God. So you know that happened yesterday. It happened. Where were, I don't know where they gathered, but it was a Facebook event. I didn't see it. I just heard about it where the witches gathered together to curse Brett Kavanaugh and our president. They do that every day, though. So they're cursing him. I want to tell you it didn't work because a lot of people stood up and we broke those curses in advance. This is a real battle. I'm glad America got to see this is not a game. There are real witches. And they're real. They're after blood. They really are after blood. If they shed blood, this thing is going to go viral. I'm telling you. But anyway, it ain't going to happen. we're standing in the gap. We're believing God in the name of Jesus. So anyway, they cursed him. But let's go on. We've got to get through this. For David, he said in verse 45, but I come to you. You come to me with a sword. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. That all the, and this is what I like too in verse 46, that all of America may know that there's a God in America. That says Israel. But I'm in certain America there. America needs to know there's a God in this nation. He may not be in some of the churches that are, you know, just carrying on. But he's with a remnant that's rising up. So anyway... Verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. In other words, he'd already made his mind up. He didn't have time to go back and think about things. He got to it. And when God speaks to you, you don't, the devil will come to give you every reason why you shouldn't do whatever it is God's called you to do. Hurry. Be about obedient. Obey the Lord. Don't sit around and, well, I got to get confirmation from so and so. Hear from God. Hear from God and move out in faith. David hurried. So David prevailed, verse 50, over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. I like that because when I was in college, and you remember the, uh, the CB radios were popular? How many of you remember those days? Everybody had one. How many of you had one? You know, we all had one. My nickname was the slingshot. I'm just telling you. It's just, I, didn't, I don't know if I did it. Somebody gave it to me. I just like that. I always like it. I felt like it's prophetic. Because that didn't make sense to me, you know, at the time. But anyway, I can't even remember. What, we said the most stupid things. Most of the time, I didn't know what to say. So I would ask what time it is. 
I'd just say 10-8 or 10-4 or 10-3 or whatever it was. That, and people, the truckers would say, it's, it's 10-44, dummy. Why don't you look at your watch and stuff like that, you know. Anyway, that's a different story. So he took his sword and drew it out and he cut the head off of the giant. And the men of, verse 52, the men of Israel and Judah shouted. And they pursued the Philistines. In other words, David's confidence and boldness gave strength to the others. There are people watching you, your testimony. Your testimony has, it's like a rippling effect upon others. And then they chased and did all this. <laughs> and then verse 58, I'm going to skip down. And Saul said to him, whose son are you? Young man. So David said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse. Now that, you got to remember. So let's look at some of the points. You guys good? We'll go through fast. Number one, David was an unashamed and unrestrained worshiper. Now we know this from many other places. But remember when they brought the ark of God into the city of David. And David is whirling around and twirling. And, and you remember Saul's sister, Michael? Right? She got really offended. Why are you acting like this? You know, it's because her own heart was under restraint. She couldn't worship God. So she was offended by those who do. Keep that in mind. You worship God with other... People are going to not like that because... They're under some restraint. They need to be set free. You're, you're going for it. might cause others to break out. But David danced before the Lord. He says, I danced before the Lord. We're, dancing, we're ministering unto the Lord. David said to her, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father to appoint me ruler over the people. And therefore, I will play music before the Lord. He goes on and says, I will even be more undignified. And I will be humble in my sight. We need to be a little bit more undignified. We might as well now because what those police saw us doing the other day and the medical people, that probably is getting around. Listen, we're undignified in Izzy. We're already. doesn't matter. Doesn't, they probably think we've lost it. We have. We've lost it. We want to follow the king. We believe his word. We are. You should be. A, either you're a fool for Christ are you a fool following the devil? You're following the Antichrist, one or the other. Jesus said, either you're for me or you're against me. You're going to love me, you're going to hate me, one or the other. That's part of what he's doing. David was a worshiper. Secondly, now this is where i got to touch on something, because I saw it in the scripture. David was a warrior. Go to Psalm 144. You've got to see this. You can't make this up. You just, if God shows it to you, you just got to speak it. He was a warrior. Look at this in verse 1. Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord my rock. Say my rock. Who trains my hands for war. And my fingers for battle. Then he goes on. He lists the, all that God is to him. My loving kindness. My fortress. My tower. My high tower. My deliverer. My shield. My refuge. That's pretty good right there. You could really go into that. But the word train means to be diligent. means to be skillful. It means to be accustomed. In other words, we should be accustomed to warfare. We should be accustomed to winning. Because it's part of our calling. The warfare is part of our calling. Especially if you're going to go all, all out on this thing. You just want to be in the fringes. You won't have much warfare. 
But I don't even know if you're going to make it in because those who do the will of God. Jesus said it's not those who say, Lord, Lord, it's those who do the will of God. So anyway, and also it means to be expert. Song of Solomon, there's a scripture that says the valiant of Israel all held swords and they were expert in war. Now, we got to speak up in this hour. I started reading the rest of it. You know, there's the responsibility of man and there's the sovereignty of God. I mean, you know, that's kind of been debated throughout church history. You know, my own view is the sovereignty of God obviously kind of holds a little bit more weight. But at the same time, there are people in history like the Wesleys that said God does nothing except an answer to prayer. Because God somehow is committed himself as people are in agreement with him and they yield to his will. God's not creating robots. He's creating sons and daughters who surrender to his will. So we know there's the both. So David was responsible. God, train my hand. You've trained my hands for war. But also he knew the sovereignty of God. He needed God's help because of the enemy that was arising. Look in verse 5. Bow down, you heavens, your heavens, O Lord. Come down, touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. When God shows up, smoke somewhere is going to break out. Something's going to happen. It's going to break. God is going to show himself strong. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me. Deliver me out of these great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose Right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Then he goes on and says, I will sing a new song. Now, beginning with verse 11, I saw something this week. I almost said, God, how can this be? How can you show me? I want to show you what's going to happen if America lays down in this hour. If you and I take off the gloves, I'm not talking about fighting with flesh and blood either. That's what they want. We, we, our battle is in the heavens. We fight with the armor, faith, and prayer. If we don't fight it that way, we'll fight it the other ways. And at times in history, men and women have had to do that. They rose up. And they fought. And many of them died. Many of them. And we tend to forget those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. But anyway, this is... I'm going to show you through verse 11. This is what will happen... No, we need to look in verse 10. This is what will happen if socialism takes over America. Can I just be honest with you? A whole millennial generation, they prefer socialism over what God has given us. They don't know. We've got to tell them. The professors have been telling them what is a lie. You, we, who else is going to tell them the truth? The police can't do it. They're going to get in trouble. The teachers can't do it. They'll be fired. Who else is left? They can't fire us. Well, they can from... But anyway, it's worth the price. Dear <laughs> boy, God is going to... I'm telling you, those who have the real thing are going to be separated from those who had a plaything. In this hour, you have the plaything, you ain't going to make it. If you have the Lord God, you'll be more than a conqueror through him who loved us. But anyway, these are the things that will happen. So the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. So I saw this. This is like a life and death thing. All right, verse 11. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. In other words, what's at stake? 
is that America will be given into the hands of foreigners, those who lie and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. Not, I'm not talking about here illegal immigration. I'm talking about those in the nation that are not of this nation. How many of you know that's true? They're in America. They're not of America. They're in places of influence. And they are demanding their way. If it happens, then we will be given over to a hand. We're now, see, the reason I'm preaching is because I don't believe it's going to happen. God's raising up an army of giant slayers. It's just you can't be little bitty wimps in this hour and expect things great to happen. You know, so anyway, look at verse 12. Now this, I said, God, how do you, how in the world you show? Verse 12, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth and our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style. In other words, our children will grow up. If we go into socialism, we will grow up as slaves. They will never know the freedom that you and I enjoy. I know that because I've been to these countries. I've been to Cuba. I've been to the former USSR. I've seen what happens. We just came back from Germany. We heard the testimonies. And your sons and daughters will never know the freedom they could have known. And then, look at this, in verse 13. That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden. In other words, economic prosperity will be a thing of the past. Because under socialism, guess who owns it all? The government. When we were in Germany, we saw, boy, there's a lot of open fields. Beautiful land. They told us, you know why the land is empty like that? Because back when communism came in, we all lost our farms. The government came in and took them all. So all these fields now belong to the government. Now they, in that part of Germany, I think there's, no, they're corporations now. They never got back into the hands of the, the little farmers. But the economic prosperity that America, there's a little bit of prosperity. I'm telling you, it'll be cut off. That's the plan. I could not believe God showed me this kind of stuff. And then look at the next one. Verse 14, that there be no breaking in or going out. And the word breaking in means a breach in the wall. A breach, that's what I said. A breach in the wall. We're hearing about a wall. It's not that wall, but I'm telling you, the wall will be removed and every demon, there's already demons invading our nation. But then the wall will be completely removed. There'll be a breach in the wall and all of hell will have its way. That's what happens under socialism because socialism and God don't go together. One says there is no God. There's no God. You're not going to worship him. They will do all they can. And then the last thing, it just kind of... Oh, look, that there be no outcry in our streets. In other words, under socialism, there'll be mob rule. You think you see a little mob rule now? Now, I'm not convinced if we do turn back this flood on election day that the mob is not going to go crazy. It may go really berserk then. Wow. That's why we got to have people that will keep the law. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. Seems like all of that kind of fits together now. We rise up in faith. We need Davids in the land is what we need. 
And then the last thing, verse 15, happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. In other words, the nation that forsakes God, they have forsaken God. Now, there'll be a remnant of people. There was a remnant of people in East Germany. They had to go undercover. They had to hide. When I was in the USSR, I remember there were people that loved. There were few people. Most had never heard the gospel. It had been 70 years. That's why when we stood on the bench and preached, hundreds would come from everywhere. And they would weep. Cry. They, would, they, they heard. They said, you know, my grandmother told me about this Jesus you're talking about. And I want to know him. I want to know who is. Is he real? Yes, he's real. Well, this is pretty heavy stuff. You're going to have to go back and read that whole chapter again for yourself, okay? Just read it. Study it. In my opinion, it's a word for the hour. The next thing about David, David was faithful and responsible in the little that he was given to do. Now, we already referred to that. He, went, he took care of the sheep, or at least he got a keeper to take care of the sheep while he was away. And we have to be faithful in the little things that God has given us. You guys all with me? You didn't check out in that last section, did you? Thinking, that, no, okay, let it go now. We got to go on. There's an answer to all this. The answer is the truth. When I was in Cuba, you know what they told me? The most feared scripture in, the, in Cuba. You know what it was? Anybody want to take a shout? You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. That's the number one feared scripture in those days in Cuba. Because they don't want you to know the truth. But who else? The church is the pillar and the support of the truth. If the church lays down in this hour, God have mercy. If we remain completely silent in this hour. So anyway, now you can let all that go. Digest it later. Just read the book. Read the Bible. God will speak to you. He'll show you things that will blow you away. The Bible is alive. The Bible is real. It's God's word. He has an answer to everything any individual or any nation will ever face or dream of facing. God's word has the answer. The next thing is David was confident in the covenant that he had with God. How do we know that? Because of the uncircumcised Philistine. Circumcision, the covenant. So David said, who is this uncircumcised? He doesn't have a covenant with God. Who is this one that defies the armies of Almighty God, the living God? The living God, not the dead God. And if we walk in covenant with God, we have a God that's faithful to his promises. Say amen. amen. And he's faithful to you. And then David was unafraid of the threat by all appearance that seemed larger and more powerful than he. You remember Elisha's servant asked, what are we going to do? People right now, they're probably, especially after election day, I don't know what's going to happen. They'll say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So Elijah prayed for his servant. He said, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. So he opened his eyes. God opened the servant's eyes, and behold, the mountains were full of the horses and chariots of fire. And I can tell you in the mountains and the valleys and the prairies and the rivers and the streams all around America, there's more forest than against us. And uh, the mountains of God are full of the chariots of the Lord our God right now. God is moving in response to his people that will cry out to him. 
Nobody's amening. Maybe it's because nobody's crying out. You better cry out to God for your sons and your daughters. And we are, we are. And we're going to keep crying out. We got to be full of prayer before we're going to be full of his glory. We've got to seek his face. And then David refused to be anything or anyone but who God made him to be. That's why he took off Saul's armor. You see, the devil will always try to make us become somebody we're not. Well, you got to be like them. You know, when I played basketball in Louisiana as a little, well, when a little boy, Michael Jordan, not that old. But anyway, I used, you know, want to be like Mike. You don't want to be like Mike. I promise you, you don't want to be like Mike. You want, you want to be the one that God made you to be. You want to be the son and daughter. There's more inside of you than you know, I'm telling you. If you knew the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave lives inside of you. If you really knew that, things would be a little bit different when you wake up on Monday morning. A little different. Wait a minute. Almighty God lives inside of me. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. I'm not made with hands. I dwells in me. That's pretty awesome if you think about it. We got to have, we got to keep that in mind. God lives inside of us. And then David only used what God had provided. He picked up those little stones, five smooth. He only used one. Right? Is that the way it was? One stone. First one, bullseye. What does that tell us? Five is the number of what? Grace. So we have enough grace for the hour, regardless of the giants that are coming your way. And then he stood on the past which propelled his faith for the challenges of the present. And he talks all about, I overcame the lion and the bear. And so that's why God's allowing us to, to tangle with lions and bears in our life so that we'll learn how to overcome. Now, I'm not going to read this because we've got to press on to part two here. But there's a scripture over in Jeremiah 12. Read it. Say, I promise I'll read it. Jeremiah 12. Jeremiah 12, 1 through 5, especially verse 5 talks about the flood plain of the Jordan. And it really fits with what we've been talking about lately. There's a flood arising. He says, if you can't handle the flood, what are you going to do when you run with the footman? So the Lord's training us to get us ready to face the giants of the hour. Then David, now this is good, you've got to remember, he sinned miserably. Say miserably. He was a murderer, an adulterer. But he found a place for repentance. So you're going to have to read Psalm 51 this week too again. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. O God, against you and you only have I sinned. David confessed his sin and God forgave him. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all. Say all. All unrighteousness. And then David brought down what others greatly feared. And his courage inspired a generation. They went out and they defeated the Philistines. He had a cause greater than himself. He remembered his roots. This is why I told you, remember they said, he's the son of Jesse. Because they said that at the beginning when Saul asked who he was. And then at the end, Saul asked who he was. I'm the son of Jesse. He never forgot his roots. He never forgot where he came from. We can never forget where, that, where we first met Jesus and we are who we are by the grace of God. But I became the son of God the day I invited Jesus in my heart. And that's... And then the greatest title. David gained the greatest title. You already know what it is. What is it? He was a man after what? God's own 
heart. So I'm going to pray this morning that God will release the heart and the anointing of David to a generation online sitting here because we got to have this. Now, if you receive this, you can't go out and let the first little, little guy knock you over. If they knock you over, get up. The righteous stumble, they fall seven times, but they get up, right? So let's stand. And then we're going to make a transition in just a couple minutes, and the family and the friends are going to come around the front. But first of all, before we pray for this anointing, let's just bow our heads. If there's anybody here, you've never met Jesus, never been saved, you don't know if today you died that you would spend eternity in heaven. And God, right now, you can't just come to God when you want to. The Holy Spirit has to draw you. There's the drawing of the Holy Spirit. We come to the Father because He draws us. We come to the Son. The Father draws us. And we have to confess our sin. It's simple. We say, God, I've sinned. How many in here have sinned? That's all of us. God, I've sinned. I've come short of your expectation for my life. And then we repent. We say, God, I'm sorry. I confess. I confess my sin and I choose to turn and repent. And I believe. Then you believe. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, and that He rose from the dead. The Scripture says, with the mouth you confess, with the heart you believe. And if you believe that God raised His Son from the dead, you shall be saved. And right now, I know there are people here that do not know Jesus. I know it. I know it. I know it in my spirit. And this is a divine setup moment for you because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can celebrate that you know the Lord and you're going to heaven, but you have a purpose in life. So I want us all to pray. And if you want the Savior, you're watching, to come into your heart, you pray this. But everyone, let's pray it out loud as a reconfirmation of our faith. But if you've never met Jesus, you receive him right now by faith. You pray and you say, God, I mean it. This is not a prayer. I'm just praying vainly. This is, a, I mean this prayer. So let's just pray. Dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that He is the Son of the living God, that you sent Him to the earth because of your love for me. He lived a sinless life, and He died on the cross. He took my sin to the cross. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me. From this moment on, I give my life to you. I choose to follow Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Change me, O oh God. Make me to be what you've called me to be. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and with fire so that I would be ablaze for you. From this moment on. I will no longer be ashamed. I will follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just raise your hand? You say, I prayed that first time. I believe God heard my prayer. This is real. I just, because we have stuff we want to give you. So on the way out, someone's going to be out there. You go see the bookstore and we'll get it to you. We want to give you some information. But now we got to pray for this David anointing. 
You guys ready? Let's just hold your hand out. Now, how could you set this week up? Think about it. How could God know about all these things that were going to happen? And now we have a memorial for David Glanzer. And yet God said, preach on the David anointing. That a generation of Davids are going to be raised up. I don't understand all of God's ways. I don't pretend to understand his ways. I just know he's God. And he's good. His mercy endures forever. And I know that God's raising up an army in America. Of real believers. Are going to bring giants down in this hour. Through their prayers, some of them in their prayer closet, some of them in their neighborhood, some of them in the school boards. I don't know, how how are you going to bring down these things in school boards? I don't know, God's going to take care of it. He's going to have His people, they're placed all over right now in positions of influence. And right now in America, God has got people in places... You may want to leave your job. Don't leave too soon. Wait until the glory of God breaks out there, my friend. Don't give up. God put you there for a purpose. Young man on campus, university campus. So we're just going to pray for the anointing. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we believe you. We believe your word. This is a divine moment. We didn't plan this out. We didn't set this up. We just showed up and we say, thank you, God. So, Lord, we thank you that we're alive in our nation for such a time as this. Men and women, sons and daughters of the living God that love Jesus, called into the kingdom. Lord, I pray for an anointing right now. Lord, something about you said, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I pray, God, for an anointing of a David generation, men and women right now, boys and girls. God, I pray for that anointing to come upon your church. In this room, those that are watching by web stream, and we pray, we have faith, so we pray all over America, the anointing to rise up with that David The same anointing that he had, God. Lord, we thank you. You didn't toss him away when he failed miserably. He found a place for repentance. And God, I thank you for new beginnings. I thank you that you're a good God. Lord, I pray by faith. I don't know how to do this anymore. But I pray right now. Just say, God, I receive by faith this anointing to be among a generation like David. Who would slay the giants. And that all the world would know. That our God lives. That our God reigns. That Jesus is Lord. And I thank you for it God. So we receive it. We receive it. Just say I receive. Thank you God.